How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. And hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. And, of course, happy 4th of July, one of, the, one of the happiest days of the year. And, of course, it's very much welcome this year after all we went through uh, in the last uh, several months with the pandemic. Now, I have to tell you, I have all sorts of items on my agenda this morning, everything from from updates on rising soccer star Olivia Moultrie uh, to the NCAA's new world of student-athletes, or perhaps they should be called athlete-students, to concerns about the, of all things, the home run derby at the All-Star Game. And I'll explain later on what I'm talking about, and and much more. And as always, well, my time is limited, and of course, uh, I want to get to this right away, and naturally we'll always take your phone calls and comments at uh, 1-877-337-6666. Okay, well, let, me, let me begin this morning with a story that longtime college baseball coach Don Landolfi brought to my attention. And in short, once you hear from Don about baseball for the blind, I think you're going to be impressed as well. Now, Don Landolfi, who I got to know when he served uh, on the baseball coaching staff at St. John's University some years ago. Uh, But in addition, Don was also a professor of physical education and exercise science at Brooklyn College for 38 years. And along the way, he was inducted into not one but two Hall of Fames, one at Brooklyn College and the other at the American Baseball Coaches Association. In other words, Don's pretty much a baseball guy through and through. But Baseball for the Blind is a variation of the game that Don first encountered in Florence, Italy, back in 2006. And let me let me stop here. And Don, good morning. Thank you for coming on this morning. Oh, thank you for having me, Rick. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's let's get into this. So you saw you first encountered this baseball for the, the blind, or I guess in Italian it's baseball per chicchi, as it's known. But chicchi, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tell, tell us what you saw, and then we'll explain to our listeners how, how this version of the game is played. Well, in 2006, I was coaching the top team in Florence in regular baseball. And one day I went over to the field early before one of my practices, and I saw a bunch of people. And you know me, being a Brooklyn native, I said, who's on my field? <laughs> and basically, it was um, many blind uh 
individuals. Uh, and one of the and the coach was a former ball player of mine from 1982 and 83 when I coached in Florence, their top team, those years. Mm-hmm. And I went over to him, and his name is Valerio Veneri, who now is their national coach for the team for the blind. Mm-hmm. I said, Valerio, what the heck are you doing? He says, I'm teaching uh, disadvantaged uh, individuals how to play baseball. I said, really? I said, can I help? I had nothing to do for another hour and a half before my team showed up. And I said, can I help? He says, would you? And that's how I got involved. He he showed me some things to do with them. And uh, I started, you know, um, uh, teaching them basically how to throw, really. You know, the old right-left catch-right-left throw. In this situation, basically, it was really just right-left throw once they found the ball. Matter of fact, here, here's how the ball they're looking for. Well, I was going to say, I mean, for, for again, and I, I, I've uh, obviously had a chance to see some of the video uh, of, of these kids, these, these people, these adults playing ball. And, and, you know, they're all obviously fully decked out in baseball uniforms. Yeah. And, you know, for anybody who's not familiar with this, this is re- these, these guys are really playing baseball. I mean, they, yes. they, they, the balls you just obviously uh, showed, uh, the, the, the ball has a bell in it. Uh, which obviously alerts the uh, the players to where the ball is, but the action begins when a batter gets up to bat in the batter's box, and they play in a regular size field, and he takes the ball and he hits it out of his hand with his bat. Correct. Uh, and and all of a sudden he just he just takes off for first base, um, rounds first, and he's trying to get to second before the fielders take the ball with the bell in it and they field it and throw it over to a sided player at second base. Is that, is that That's my... correct? Okay. Right. So... The only sided defensive player is the individual at second base. Prior to hitting the ball, they're alerted to where first base is. The, the, the umpire says first and there's an electronic first base and they hear the beeping. Mm-hmm. Then he says second and there's a, Offensive coach at second base, a runner's second base, not a defensive. They have two bases at second, one for the defense and one for the offense. So mm-hmm. there would be to avoid collision, safety right. factor. That coach there has clappers where he claps his hands with these clappers so that the runner uh, picks up the sound. And likewise at third base. The objective for the batter when, uh, is to get to second. They don't. They once they reach at second, they stay there until the next batter gets up, unless they hit a home run, and that is if they hit the ball about 180 feet. But the ball has to be hit on the ground and go by an imaginary line between second and third. Mm-hmm. Reason it has to be hit on the ground. They can't see it if it's hit up in the air. Yeah, I'm going to say they have uh, to hear it. The the uh, the players are all uh, visually impaired or blind. Right. Uh, some of them used to have their sight and uh, you know, had played baseball before they lost their sight, so they have a familiarity with with the actions of the game. Right. But uh, here here's the irony of this, Don, uh, is that. The game is is played competitively, as you just mentioned, obviously, for many years now in Italy. It's played in Germany, England, France, Cuba, Australia. But it's not all that well accepted or known here in the United States. And that you become like an ambassador 
of the game, uh, Baseball for the Blind. And, and obviously, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show this morning, and uh, friends, I'm going to give you Don's cell number in just a second. So he would love to hear from you if you're interested in knowing more about Baseball for the Blind because, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to get some momentum going here uh, in the U.S. about this game. Um, the idea is that perhaps if enough Americans get involved and have a pretty good team, they can somehow maybe get to, uh, to play on a national or international basis, maybe make it to the Olympic, Paralympics, whatever it might be. But, again, let me give everybody your cell number. So if people want to have questions or want to get involved, the number is 516-643-1709 for Don Landolfi. And, again, I'll repeat this, uh, 516-643-1709. Six four three one seven zero nine. Correct. Now, All right. I, I I gotta ask you, Don, because this is such a fascinating thing. Um, when we, these guys, this is this is not slow motion. These guys hit the ball and they take off. I mean, this no. is this is fast. I mean, are are there, are there is there danger of collisions or that kind of thing? Well, that's why they they they've made it a, a lot of safety precautions as the offensive second base and the second and the defensive second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, um, not really. Uh, they just have to watch the runner when he comes from third to home. Because home does not have any sounding uh, device to assist the runner. That is the most difficult base to get to once they arrive at uh, third base. They're just lined up by the coach there, and then he runs. So that's where someone, uh, uh, another coach, would stop the runner from running into a fence or something. Other than that, no, because... uh, uh, from all the games I watched, there were no no instances where anyone really collided and whatnot because they're taught how to uh, do a banana dive when they hear the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. And one would go to the right, one would go to the left, etc., etc. So it's they they have it pretty well covered. And um, uh, the but one when, thing when, I when, excuse me. As I said, when, when, when I'm just curious when a fielder. Uh, on where normally the shortstop or third baseman is positioned, when they they got the, when they get the ball, and they have to throw the runner out, so to speak, at second base, they just take the ball and they fire it over to the second right. baseman. And well, they let just... me tell you, I watched the Cubans play the Italians in 219 in Rome, Italy, in the championship game, and the third baseman on the Cuban team had played baseball yeah. on their regular national team. And unfortunately, he lost his sight along the way. Whenever he got a ball, he yelled, and all his Cuban uh, defensive players hit the ground because, Rick, you would have loved to have him as a third baseman. He threw a pee (laughs) to the guy at second. He was so talented. When I saw it, I said, oh, my God. But that's what they do. There's communication there. Even when they play defense and the ball is coming uh, through the infield, uh, uh, one would, uh, if, it, if one hears it, he would say, right, right of me. So the players would know uh, the one who's on his left would dive to his uh, left so that he wouldn't be able to stop the ball. So there's good communication, but it requires a lot of time and practice. And they do. They do really work at it. Now, what, what about when the runner is on second base? Right. And, and he has to get to third. How, how does that work so he doesn't, get, right. he doesn't run, run into the, the path of the ball being fielded by uh, an infielder? 
I'm going to give you the scenario. Okay. When the, the runner is sec on second, he may not leave second base until the umpire yells, Valido or fair ball. That means the ball, when the batter hits it, has to travel and pass that imaginary line between second and third. So once he hears that, he is allowed to run. By that time, the ball is by the path that he may run into. All right? Because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. set that line maybe two feet beyond second base. Mm-hmm. So it's not a direct line. And now he's taking off to third. The batter, in the meantime, when he hit the ball, he's allowed to run the mo- right after he hits the ball. He's running. If the umpire yells foul, he stops, and it's a foul ball. He get, get comes back and tries again. Three strikes, you're out as mm-hmm. a baseball. But now as he's running and the runner from second leaves, if the defense throws the ball to the visual second baseman, and he catches the ball before the batter runner reaches second and the runner from second going to third, we have a double play. <laughs> and let me tell you, they do it. It's amazing. But it's, you know, I was, as I said when I first saw it, I was really taken back by it. Well, as I said, it is, uh, and I just uh, tell my listeners, Baseball for the Blind, if you haven't seen this, uh, if you can check out some video about it, it is extraordinary, and it's yes. uh, it's quick, yeah. it's fast paced. You know, obviously, we're all talking these days about Major League Baseball and and the uh, too many strikeouts and defensive shifts, and the game's gotten slow and and boring. This is just the opposite. I mean, this oh. is extraordinary. Um, Don, I I know that you're you're trying, as I said, trying to be an ambassador uh, to the game for the game here in the states. Um, and uh, I know you're looking for any kind of resources, people who want to get involved and help out. And I gather one of the biggest concerns, of course, is finding fields so yeah, these guys can yeah. practice and play their games. Tell, tell us about that concern. Well, we're, I was very fortunate. Um, you know Lou Santos, of course. Yep. Lou Santos helped me in getting a field recently. We, we've been allowed now to use Monsignor Scanlon's baseball field Monday afternoons from 5 to 7 during the summer because, uh, uh, because their season is over. And uh, uh, it, that's been a, a big plus. Plus, on Thursdays, they go to Randall's Island and just just go there to practice their skills. Because Randall's Randall Island, we can't get a real baseball field. You have to play on a baseball field with cutouts, etc., to really play the game properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what we're doing right now. We're really appreciative of Monsignor Scanlon helping us with that baseball field because. As you know, with the things in the, the diocese and whatnot, they're always looking to raise money, and they're able to rent that field out, and they're giving it to us uh, uh, gratis, which is uh, very we're very fortunate. Well, Don, I just want to remind listeners that uh, if uh, they want to get involved or find out more, you're obviously uh, the source to go to. And again, friends, uh, I'm going to give you Don's personal cell number at 516-643. 1709 for Don Landolfi 
1709 if you want to get involved or find out more about baseball for the blind and what it is involved it's obviously just a terrific terrific uh, sport great great fun for these guys and and it's just uh, it's fun to watch quite frankly can hey, i Don, just mention one more thing please go ahead the the the, the lions club has yes. been very helpful as well the new york lions financial club has been very helpful to us uh in providing some real nice services to uh this Terry got involved in it, and uh, she's been helping us to the nth degree. Well, so I wanted just to thank her and mention her name. Thank great. you so much. Uh, hey, Don, this is just terrific. I, I'm so glad that you gave me a heads up about this, and it's, it's as I say, it's a terrific endeavor for everybody involved. Don Landolfi, my thanks again. Happy Fourth of July, and uh, hopefully you'll get some calls and people want to get involved and help support uh, baseball for the blind. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate it. Stay well. We'll be talking. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Don. Don Landolfi again, just a terrific, terrific uh, you know, involvement with uh, Baseball for the Blind, which he first obviously got involved when he was coaching over in Italy about 15 years ago. And it's just taken off. And I'm telling you, friends, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing operation. Okay. Uh, when I take, after I come back from the break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Olivia Moultrie, the gifted soccer player, uh, and what's happening in her life with the Portland Thorns. Uh, also going to talk a little about uh, what's happened with the, uh, the NCAA and all the new mandates involving uh, NIL and, and a lot more on the docket. And, of course, we'll take your calls and comments, as always, at one 337 6666 Sports Radio Okay, back here in the Sports Edge, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, I have a bunch of things I want to cover, and I'll try to go through them as quickly as I can. Uh, A lot of headlines from this past week. First of all, remember we've been talking over the last few months about Olivia Moultrie? She's the, uh, the gifted soccer player who signed with an agent when she was 13, uh, and ultimately signed a long-term deal with Nike. Uh, as you may recall, uh, Olivia has been working out with the, uh, the Portland Thorns uh, of the National Women's Soccer League. But under the league rules, under the NWSL league rules, she was not allowed to play in any league game until she turned 18. Now, she's again, she's been practicing with the team and, and, and doing some scrimmages, but not allowed to play in any games. Uh, the league uh, apparently has said that over and over again, uh, they're adamant that uh, you have to be 18. And uh, even though Olivia and her parents uh, went to filed a lawsuit saying, well, this isn't really fair, uh, the girl's being deprived of a chance to really improve her game and enhance her standing, maybe someday make the, the national team for the United States, uh, they said, no, no, no. We're going to wait. This is all part of a, of, a, of a collective bargaining agreement that's still being negotiated between the players and the NWSL. So let's just wait on this. But again, Olivia and her parents persisted. She's now 15. They did file a lawsuit. And not surprisingly, in this day and age of, of uh, so much cultural and social upheaval in the world of sports, a judge ruled in, in Olivia's favor just the other day, and now Portland then opted to sign her as a 15-year-old player. So she's now officially a member of the Portland Thorns, and she's fully cleared to play and compete in the league games. Now, 
<laughs> she's 15. And I know from all accounts, she's terrific, terrific skills, whatever, but she is 15. I guess we're all going to be very curious to see how she performs against experienced uh, soccer players who not only played and excelled in high school, but also in four years of college and an international competition as well. Remember, by all accounts, Olivia is really, really good, but she's only 15. And that's a big difference. If you've been around sports, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, think back to when you were 15 years old. How do you think you would have done at that age in your sport against players who were already in their 20s, who were all all-stars in college and had competed on the international level? I mean, it's, it's a huge jump, not just physical, but psychological as well. Uh, I, I just, it's going to be curious to see how this experiment plays out. We all have talked about Freddie Adu when he signed when he was 14, and he had a fine career, but he was always supposed to be destined to be a superstar, which is why he was signed at such a, such a young age. And he didn't, he didn't really become a superstar. He, he played, bounced around a bit, but, you know, he was, he was again, uh, such a very young age. Again, there's something to be said about playing in high school soccer or high school sports and then eventually go on to play in college. Uh, yes, I know, of course, about the NBA is a little different, but, again, it's going to be very, a very interesting test case to see what happens with Olivia as she progresses uh, in her professional career. Um, but again, it, it, it's just, it is curious as to why, and this question has not really been answered, at least to what I can find, is when the parents had her sign when she was 13, they must have realized at that point that the, the, uh, the NWSL had a rule in place saying, well, you can't play, nobody can play in this league in a game until they're 18. So I guess they figured that their daughter was going to practice for five years before she had a chance to turn 18. But now they said, well, no, we're going to challenge that. And now she's 15 and she's fully signed. Okay. Uh, speaking of unusual changes in the world of sports, obviously the headlines have been filled with the fact the last few weeks about the, uh, you know, the NCAA and their mandates involving uh, name, image, and likeness, and how that's changing, and how the NCAA, what's going to happen to them, what's happened with kids today, the explosion of college athletes now doing all sorts of deals based upon their name and image and, and, and likeness. Uh, they're being very, very entrepreneurial. They're all trying to, to rake in as much money as they can. It seems to be like a gold rush, and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, there's no question at all that all of this is going to affect college sports. Uh, it may even filter down to even high school sports who want to cash in on their, on their increasing and growing fame. Uh, and, and let's face it, I, I, I think this move, uh, which obviously was fully backed by the United States Supreme Court, is all pretty much inevitable. Uh, I think it was driven by the salaries that college coaches earn these days, uh, and obviously which is all coming primarily from TV contracts. Still not certain as to what the total long-range impact is going to be in all this, uh, but I, I will, I, you know, of course, in the last remaining wall is whether or not colleges will at some point actually pay paid athletes a salary to play for it. That's not going to happen, not going to happen yet, but certainly athletes are now going to college to play sports and they want to figure out a way to cash in on, on their, their fame and notoriety. What's the long-term future of the NCAA? Um, hard to say. Who's going to enforce 
and watch over what these college athlete students do in terms of their endorsement deals, I guess that's going to fall onto into the lap of the individual universities. We already know a bunch of universities already have uh, hired personal branding uh, experts to work with their athletes. I mean, it's just a total uh, free-for-all. But the point I'm trying to make is this is going to take some time to digest and to think about and to see how it's going to play out in terms of college athletes and what's going to happen in terms of the colleges. Will the rich just get richer? Will it cause more of a divide between the top uh, huge universities, uh, you know, the Power Five conferences and everybody else? I just don't know. But I'm going to cover all these issues on next week's uh, sports ed show uh, because I do think this is the time has come but I want to have a chance again to reflect uh, and, and figure out what are the right issues where the right questions to be asking moving on and again I'm, I, I apologize for all this quick and rapid fire topics this morning but there's a lot to cover let me just give you a quick personal opinion from yours truly now we know that the major league baseball all-star game it's rapidly approaching it's being played on July 13th. This is something from a safety perspective that concerns me, and maybe this has bothered you as well. I just don't know. But during the, the very, very popular home run derby competition, in years past, as long as I've been watching this, this, this great competition of batting practice, they always have a number of young kids shagging the line drives and fly balls in the outfield. These are the balls that are hit hard, really hit hard, uh, but they don't make make it over the fence. Now, from what I can tell, no one has ever been seriously injured or hurt as these kids compete against each other to field these rockets. And yeah, maybe maybe I'm just getting old, but this seems like a like a surefire formula for someone to get hurt. Now, I can certainly understand why these kids are thrilled uh, with the idea of being in the outfield at the Home Run Derby. I mean, I get that. But these kids look to be like 9 or 10 or maybe 11 years old. And, and trust me, in a world of baseball that is infatuated with exit velo and off the bat of major leaguers, why would you let your young kid run the risk of getting hit in the face by a screaming line drive? I mean, if you want to put kids out there to shag balls... Why not use college players or, or kids who are, who are senior ball players in high school? These kids are just flat out young. And maybe, maybe this year Major League Baseball will cut back the number of kids in the outfield. Or maybe they will mandate that the Shaggers have to be at least 18 or older. But to me, letting young kids uh, go around the outfield you know, trying to corral line drives off the bats of Major Leaguers just seems like a... Seems like, a, unfortunately, like a surefire formula for disaster. I, I, I could be wrong. I just don't know. All right, let me let me take a, a quick moment here to take some phone calls. Let me start with uh, with Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Happy Fourth of July. You too, Ed. Well, the NCA, as, as people have said, it, it, this this whole thing has become a wild, wild west. Yep. And all these Power Five schools are, are going to. Uh, these kids, because they're, they're usually the top athletes, they're just going to be raking in money all sorts of ways and all that. Yep. You know, I, I could see maybe to make extra money, maybe they could they could work a job or whatever. That 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 I understand. But with all these endorsements or whatever, like you said, because college coaches are getting these endorsements, the players are going to get these endorsements. And um, the last thing I'll bring up with the with the uh, All Star game, 
that's a great point you brought up. I, I never thought about that, but you are right. Um, if they're going to have the young kids out there, you don't even see them with batting helmets on. You understand no. what I'm saying? You know, I, I, it's just all uh, let's have fun and all that. But that's a great point. Hopefully, the uh, Major League Baseball will take that into consideration and all that. Yeah. And one last thing I want to say: good luck to Jack Leiter. Hopefully, he'll be the, the first player in New Jersey history to be the nut. The uh, number one pick in the major league draft uh, next Sunday. Well, he's he's quite an impressive pitcher. That's for darn sure. And of course, has great bloodlines with his dad. Well, I umpired a high school game when he picked. Oh my God, was he lights out? God <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks, Ed. Happy Fourth. Uh, and I just want to very quickly comment. I don't know how Major League Baseball uh, figures out which kids are are selected to to shag the balls during batting practice at the Derby. Uh, maybe they are the kids of the Major League players or the front office. I just don't know how those kids are selected. But uh, to Ed's point, yeah, these kids aren't even wearing uh, batting helmets. I just I got to tell you, it, it makes me it makes me sort of nervous and antsy to watch these kids sort of jockeying in place to to try to grab a line drive or a one hopper that's obviously coming off a bat of of guys who really hit the ball well over 100 miles an hour. It, it's it's a little scary and it's not really needed because they got thousands of baseballs. I mean, if they have to, just put a couple of guys out there who obviously have some experience and are older uh, when it comes to handling uh, line shots. Uh, it just, it's just a little weird and a little frightening to me. Again, uh, as I said, maybe there's something in place I'm not aware of, but again, that, that's something that uh, you look at the home run derby this year, see, see what you think, see what happens. All right, let me, I have much more to cover this morning. Obviously, I want to take more of your calls as well. Let me take a time out here. When I return, uh, give me a shout at 877-337-6666. Sports Radio 1019 FM, the fan, WFAN, New York. Happy 4th of July. Don't forget, uh, following me this morning, Richard Neer will be along uh, at 9 o'clock and talking about what's happening, obviously, in the world of sports. Uh, I'm sure he'll be taking lots of calls and comments about about the Mets and the Yankees and Subway Series and what's happening with uh, our, our local ball clubs. Now, uh, I want to get back to our calls because obviously our, our time is, is tight this morning. Uh, let me go quickly to our friend Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. Hi, Rick. How are you? Happy 4th. You, you too, Jack. <laughs> I just, you know what? Yeah. I, I'm, let me tell you, I know you want to talk about Olivia Moultrie, but let me just tell you a quick story because I... <laughs> Because this is, you know, this is the time on the show where I usually remind listeners about uh, about my book, uh, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Hey, and, it's about time. Look, <laughs> I just let me share a quick secret with you all. One of my favorite sports psychology stories is actually not in the book, but I do. I feel compelled to share it with you all this morning, and this has to do with uh, the legendary sports psychology coach Harvey Dorfman. Uh, I had the very, very good fortune. Harvey was my mentor in this field. And he used to tell tell the story about a kid uh, with great potential as a power hitter. Uh, But the youngster who uh, who was in the low minors at the time well, he was really scuffling and, and struggling at the plate. He was he was getting fooled by breaking pitches. He was lunging at, at the ball, not making good contact. So the story goes that the manager of this minor league team asked Harvey Dorfman to spend some time with the player, 
and basically teach the kid how to become a little more patient at the plate. So, of course, Harvey, you know, he, he says, fine, of course, I'll, I'll work with the kid. And the manager can see that Harvey and the player are talking in the outfield at some length during batting practice before that, that evening's game. So come game time, sure enough, the kid gets up to his first at bat, and on the very first, very first pitch he sees, he hits a mammoth home run, a shot that, that clears the center field fence by 30 feet. Now, the manager, of course, is elated. He comes running over to Harvey Dorfman in the dugout and says, Harvey, that was simply amazing. What in the world did you tell this kid? I mean, he sees one pitch, and he smokes at 400 feet. And Harv looks around quietly, and he tells the manager very very sheepishly, well, I told him to take the first pitch he sees. <laughs> well, you know, it, you know, coaching at, at the college level, one of the biggest things I had to teach the girls was to hit early and hit often, you know. The, the first good pitch, you know, don't be taking that first good pitch that, you know, probably might be the only good pitch you see in the whole at-bat, but, you know, you're – you know, Harvey, I believe, was, was was your mentor the way, you know, you're mentoring me with all of this stuff. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing, you know, that, you know, they, well, you know, what did Harvey do? Well, you know, when the parents come up to me and say, oh, my kid is hitting so great, you're my hero. I said, I'm not your hero. The kid yeah. hit the ball. I yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what you have to tell them, but getting back to, and, and, and Harvey Dorfman, has written some great books and, you know, you followed him with yours. So I, I wish you would publicize your books and, you know, announce them a little bit more because they've helped me so much in my coaching career. And, you know, it's, you know, even your sports, uh, your, your, the psychology book, the secrets of sports psychology revealed and your, your other book, the sports well, parenting edge. That was, that was a great book. So, Jack, you've been, you've been uh, so kind over the years to obviously uh, say nice things about my well, books. Obviously, um, I, I believe in these things, and, and uh, I felt compelled to write my thoughts and observations uh, down on paper or now on a computer. But, you know, if anybody is involved in sports, uh, especially baseball, uh, you have to know that Harvey Dorfman's books, uh, he goes by H.A. Oh. Dorfman, uh, his right. books on the mental side of baseball, the game. I mean, these are classic. Classic books. Anyhow, let's let's get back to uh, let's get back okay. to Olivia Moultrie. Okay, Olivia. Listen, my situation. You know, when I first talked about her, almost two years ago, I think we were talking about her as a thirteen-year-old, and now yep. she's fifteen. Yep. I fell. You know, I I fell into the same trap as everybody else. She's thirteen years old. How good can she possibly be? You know, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule. And I studied this kid over the past couple of years. A good friend of mine, Mark Grabo, out in California, played pro soccer. He was the strength and conditioning coach for the Golden State Warriors for 22 years. But his specialty, I'm going to tell you right now, is soccer. He was an all-American soccer player at American University in Washington. And he said, watch this kid. So I did. And I just, you know, I watched some recent videos. Now, she's only 15 years old. And the captain on the thorn who was also the captain of our Olympic team, said this kid is ready to play. Give her a chance to play. She's strong. She's big. You know, I said to you the other day that, you know, Freddie Adu, my friend Mark, Freddie Adu had what they call show tricks and show, show skills. 
he can trap the ball on the back of his neck and hold it and undress himself while the ball's on his head. He could, you know, he could, he could dribble the ball with both feet. He could do everything. But in game situations, he wasn't that knowledgeable. And watching this kid in training and in scrimmages and videos, she has it. She has it. She has the strength. She has the speed. She has the game skill. And to tell you the truth, Rick, she has the game knowledge. Mm -hmm. So my point about Olivia is this. I think she lost out so much on going right into this. Listen, the only thing that she did by doing this, signing this contract early, is saved herself from possible injuries. The harm she did to herself, in my opinion, is just extraordinary. She has... She, she lost out on that high school activity, that high school uh, chance of playing at that level, going into college. She had a full ride at North Carolina, Chapel Hill, with Anson Durant, okay, one of the best female college coaches ever. And she would have gotten to the Olympics. She would have gotten to whatever level she wanted to if she stayed healthy. And the point is, is that she lost out on so much social skills and being able to interact with kids. I mean, she's being homeschooled. She's, you know, she's, she's not a kid. She's a professional ba uh, soccer player at 15 years old. And listen, is she capable? My opinion has changed from two years ago. Yes, she's very capable. She's strong. She's, she's. She's fast, she's agile, she has all the skills needed to play at that level. Does she have the experience that she's going to be playing against? No, not at all. But will she gain that? Yes, by playing. Well, let me, let no me just, better teacher. Go ahead. I'm sorry, let me, let me just take this other point of view, and I think this is going to actually agree with you. Because of what's happened with the NCAA, I mean, she basically yeah. decided with her parents a couple of years ago that – I am going to bypass all of my high school, not just the, the soccer, but, you know, going to high school and being on a high school right. team with kids her own age and enjoying being a superstar for three or four years to saying, I'm also going to bypass consciously playing in college. As you said, she had a full full scholarship at UNC to play at one of the premier Division One programs in the country. She was going to she bypassed that because she wanted to get a chance to, to get, sign a deal with Nike uh, so that she can become a pro at age 13 and now mm -hmm. as luck has turned out if she had stayed in high school and, and gone on to college well maybe she would have had a chance to sign endorsement deals uh, as per what's happened the last couple of weeks with the NCAA that you know she could have had the enjoyment of playing with all her friends and, and peers and so on and so forth but now that's all that's gone now she can't you can't turn back the clock now she's going to question is is she going to be able to compete and compete well at the professional level and I know I know all, all of her teammates have said she's terrific and so on and so forth but again they're now her teammates, and obviously they wanted to succeed as well. It's just—it's going to be curious to see just how far her talent and skill uh, will take her as a professional soccer player. She's she's given up so much. She's yeah. given up so much of her of her child development years. You know, and I taught for forty-four years, and I taught middle school. Her age, her her you know her age, and I've seen the development from when a kid comes to me as a sixth grader to when they leave as an eighth grader, the development in those two years alone are just extraordinary. And she's, in my opinion, 
is missing out on that. Plus, if it was a money situation, like you just said, Rick, and I agree with you 100%, if it was a money situation, other than the Nike and all the, you know, I think she might have made as much money in college than she did playing professionally. So, you know, I think the parents made a mistake. I really do. I think she made a mistake. I think she would have gotten to this level no matter what, as long as she stayed healthy. And, you know, I mean, that's the only thing, that's the only plus so what I see she did is to she's going to avoid injuries getting to the pro level where if she does get injured, it's going to be as a pro. Yeah. And thank yeah. you so much, Rick. Uh, love the show. You know, advertise your books. They're the best <laughs> books I've ever read. Well, so, yeah, keep laughing. Keep laughing. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah, right. th- thanks, Jack. <laughs> They're unbelievable. <laughs> thank you. Happy Fourth of July. Uh, yeah, Jack is a... Uh, He's amazing. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better publicist than Jack Smith than when it comes to my books. Uh, let's go quickly to Billy in Manalapan. Hey, Billy, good morning. You're on the fan. Well, I was wondering if you were going to come down to me. That's a tough act to follow. That <laughs> yes, was an interesting call. Yes, it is. And, and, I'm, and I come and go a little bit with, with the show, and that's not because I don't like it. It's just schedule-wise. Sometimes I can't tune you in. But today is very compelling in a lot of ways, and I'll try to make this quick for you. And it's food for thought on both ends. Your conversation you just had, yeah. I'm going back and forth during the conversation, and that's why you're so good at what you do. The, 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 the issue with the kids at the, in the All-Star game, and this is coming from someone who's worked with, you know, uh, over a 1,000 kids in 30 years in, in, in a job program, different type of atmosphere, but developing kids from urban areas and, and helping them move on and build a resume that way. Uh-huh. But at the same time, slash father coach, you know, former whatever football, you know, like there's a ton of us out here. We don't, we don't claim to be as good as you guys. However, uh, I got a lot out of coaching B teams after my kids grew out and, and developing the 12th kid on the bench to just even lay down a bunt so he could get on first base and his parents could see him run or steal a base or what have you. This thing with the all-star game, I, to me it comes down because we're just a, such a litigious society that we that's not what your point was i get it but you're talking exit velocity and things of that nature i wouldn't be surprised if that changes very soon i forbid one of those kids get hurt well again so I, don't, I, 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 I billy i, gotta tell you, I don't know what the uh how the kids are selected i don't know how it's done i don't know i'm sure the kid any kid will want to be have that the thrill of being on a major league field at the all-star game but again i just i just hope there's some forethought or consideration being given as to are these kids able do they have the physical skills the coordination to handle uh, a screaming line drive uh off the bat of a major league all-star or a one hopper or a high high fly ball i i just don't know i would like to think and, and, and hopefully that mlb does take some precautions on this but from what i've seen in the past those kids are pretty young you know it's interesting and and again it's food for thought because I, I initially was angry. I'm like, what is he talking about? Let these kids have fun. That's a, that's a little kid's dream. Yes, of course. And then <laughs> while I'm on hold, I'm like, I got a whole other outlook now thinking, and this is what's going to happen if people keep kind of talking about these types of things. You'll, you'll see a change because someone's going to take my perspective, uh, slash businessman, coach, whatever. Hey, if one of these kids get hit, you know, I'm sure they're signing a disclaimer, but that never stops anybody anymore. No. And, no. and it's just a shame. And I hope they, I think they should find a middle ground. 
high school seniors enough. Why not? Well, I, I was going to say, think I think, again, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. And I probably should have tried to find some uh, some research on this, but I'm not even sure how to start to do that. But I do know that it would make a lot more sense uh, if you had kids who were, as I said, maybe they were, you know, the all-stars, uh, their high school team or in their league as, as seniors in high school. So they know that they're they're familiar with the velocity that a ball comes off the bat of a major leaguer, uh, you know, in batting practice. Or maybe you take local college kids, whatever it might be, or just take a, a fewer of them. I don't know, but it does seem to be a concern, at least to me. And I'm sort of thinking, well, if this bothers me, Billy, I got to assume it probably mm. other people watching this over the years are probably thinking, gee, that, you know, <laughs> I've been around enough baseball to know that guys hit rockets off those bats. And, and uh, if you aren't prepared or trained or skilled at that, uh, you're going to have some real serious issues. And, and that, that's, what, that's what bothers me. Billy, th- thank you for your thoughts. Thanks for staying on hold for so long, but I was glad to hear from you. Uh, friends, again, I, I um. I, I do think uh, these are some things that we want to talk about uh, in, the, in the weeks to come, particularly about the NCAA. Uh, obviously, as I said, next week I'm going to do a deep dive into this and try to get some real thoughts and some digest some, some other opinions uh, from some experts in the field as to what is going to take place because it's really, as we said many, many times in the past, we're in the wild, wild west when it comes to youth and amateur sports in this country. Okay, that's going to do it. For me, in this edition of the Sports Edge, my thanks, of course, to Ed Arzuman. Happy Fourth to you all. Richard Neer is up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.